the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He spent over 40 years in and around the restaurant industry. He's been an owner and an operator. He's a member of the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame. For over 30 years, his radio shows have been keeping you updated on the ever-changing Colorado restaurant scene, where he invites you to join him, both on the air and for meals at area restaurants. He's Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. February 17th. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Did you have a wonderful Valentine's Day? Yes, indeed. I've got a lot to talk about with you the next couple hours. You know, I know that after the Super Bowl, Monday, it's probably the lead story on every media channel, radio, television, podcast, whatever it happens to be, print media, probably the lead story. Story. You know, Chiefs win in overtime. Taylor Swift kisses Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey get into a shouting match. Whatever, whatever. But you know what? So just when you think it's over, just when you think that it has been beaten into the ground, it's been analyzed every way to Sunday. Well, I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to give you my thoughts. I, I, I actually sat down with a couple of cold Mojave gold lager beers. Yeah, they are out of Indian Wells, California. Wonderful, wonderful lager. A little bit of chips and salsa. A little bit, not really salsa. I get the chips and pico de gallo. Sat back, relaxed a little bit, and I actually watched the game. And I actually watched the pregame maybe about, you know what, I don't turn it on at 9 o'clock in the morning, but maybe a half hour, 45 minutes before the game, I watch a little bit of the predictions. I watch a little bit of the um, anal- the pregame analysis, what they expect we are going to see. And then I went right through the presentation of the colors, the flyover, the national anthem, And you know what? I actually sat and watched the commercials. Usually the commercials, remember, what was it? This was Super Bowl 58. So 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, the commercials 
were really good. They were really well done. And then it seemed like, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they got just not very good. They got just weird. They got, some of them were so esoteric, I didn't even know what the hell they were promoting. So I sat and I watched the commercials. And, yep, there were some clunkers, but there was some really good stuff. So maybe we are not only seeing a different demographic, the Swifties coming to the NFL, maybe, (laughs) pardon me, maybe we're seeing a resurrection, a resurgence, of good commercials, what do you think? Maybe we're going to say, you know, people will say, well, I was a very good game. This game was exciting. This game was good. And just when you thought in the first half, whew, the Chiefs didn't bring it today, all of a sudden we find ourselves in overtime, record-setting field goal kicks, so I thought what we'd do in this hour is we'd just talk a little bit about it. And I found an article that's really interesting that I'm going to share with you. An average NFL game, more than 100 commercials, and just 11 minutes of play. All right, so let's take a break and come back and get started here on The Restaurant Show. All right, welcome back to the Mike Moore Restaurant Show, where we talk about restaurants, travel, movies, books, and sports. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. What were your thoughts? Um, can't take your calls today, but I can get your emails, Mike at MikeBoyle.com. Um, you know, let's go to the very beginning. I love it when they display the flag. I love it when they have the flyover. And I'm going to tell you something. I thought that Reba McIntyre, country singer, did an absolutely fabulous job on the national anthem and it just reminded me i love country music you know lying crying dying moving somewhere there's always got to be a pickup truck in the song but you know i love country music and i love country music performers because they just seem to be so patriotic we lost toby keith about a week week and a half ago and you know what He went out and entertained a quarter of a million military folks around the world. I can't remember how many countries, 17 countries, something like that, 11 USO tours. But country singers, when they sing the national anthem, it's about the country. It's about the song. It's not about them. And when she stood up there and sang it and pointed at the military color guard and pointed at the flag and, and, and sang it, the national anthem is supposed to be about a minute and 40 to a minute and 45 seconds. And so I don't need some of these rock stars, some of these pop stars, some of these everybody's got talent television show stars singing the national anthem and making it all about them. This is not, I, I, it sounds like 
I shouldn't even focus on that. I should focus on how well Reba McIntyre. Did you see Chris Jones, number 95 of the Kansas City Chiefs? When she was singing the song, he was crying. This is a six foot six, 310 pound defensive lineman. And if you want to inject color, he's a black man. And this is a guy that obviously loved the song, loved the rendition, and just appreciates. I don't know the man, but it looked to me like he appreciates the opportunities that he has here in the good old United States of America. Another thing we did last Sunday in my Sunday show from 10 o'clock until noon, we did a Super Bowl contest. I don't know if I'm allowed. We did a big game contest. I apologize to the NFL if I'm not supposed to use the SB words. But at any rate, I used to do it in such a way that I said, let's have you call and tell me who you think's going to win and what you think the score is going to be. So then, after the game was over, I went to the callers who had selected the correct team, obviously, and whoever got closest to the score got a nice prize package, generally about a $100 prize package. Go to restaurants. I changed it a couple of years ago. Now you just have to tell me who won, who you thought would win. And you know what? We had, <laughs> it was fun. The phone lines lit up. Robin, Shirley, Chris, Ronnie, Tony, they picked Kansas City. Dennis, Mark, Eric, Dana, Bob, picked the 49ers. And you know what? I understand that $100 gift certificates to restaurants doesn't have quite the value that it had maybe 20 years ago. But we got a winner. It was fun. And they got two $50 gift certificates. That person got two $50 gift certificates. And the restaurants that they could choose were the Black Hat Cattle Company up in Kittredge, the View House Restaurant with four locations all up and down the Front Range. So one of them's got to be close. Black Eyed Pea, eight restaurants all up and down the Front Range, or the Butchery up in Arvada. So anyway, no matter where you live, if you won, if you got the call, it was certainly work out well for you geographically. All right, so we had some we had some fun with that. I, I will tell you this. I watched the game in Southern California. So it started at 3.30. You know, we're kind of used to it starting at 4.30 here in Colorado. And... To be honest with you, it was kind of nice. It was sunny and clear. I felt like I should be outside sitting in the sun. But I've already explained I came in and wanted to watch it from start to finish. And you know what's nice? Is it wrapped up about 7.30, maybe 7.40. And 
so you know what? You watch a little of the post-game show. You watch a little bit of the confetti. I find that when the game, when, when it's 9 o'clock, just that hour difference in Colorado. Can you imagine on the East Coast where it's 11 o'clock? I find myself just a little wound up. And so uh, it was nice. The game was over. I had relaxed. I um, went along with my 5 o'clock rule. I don't start drinking until after 5. I had a couple beers after it was 5 o'clock in California. But anyway, I'm going to tell you about that and more when we come back on the restaurant show. All right, welcome back to the Mike Moore Restaurant Show. We are talking about the Super Bowl. Your comments are welcome at Mike at MikeBoyle.com. I told you that I watched the game in Southern California, and um, it was a little weird because it started at 3.30 rather than 4.30. You know, 4.30 in Colorado, it's getting dark, it's closer to happy hour. I have kind of a 5 o'clock rule. You know what? I try not to start drinking, have a beer, have a glass of wine, a margarita, whatever it happens to be, until after 5 o'clock. Listen, I know that it's 5 o'clock somewhere, according to Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett. But, you know, that's just and when I'm in Mexico, sitting by the pool, I figure I can wait till 5 o'clock. So when the game started, what's the last thing you do before kickoff? You get to the refrigerator, you get your beer, you get your chips and salsa. Well, I had the chips and salsa, but I said, I'm going to wait till 5 o'clock. I did that. It's a little harder when you watch a game on Pacific time to wait till five o'clock, but, but I did it. But then I thought I would share this article from business news and written by a guy named Zachary Seward. I find myself wondering if he's much of a football fan. Average NFL game. More than 100 commercials and just 11 minutes of play. All right. We know if we're going to watch a football game during the regular season, college, pro, whatever, playoffs, we need to commit three and a half to four hours. Okay? All right. And we live with that. And we just accept it. All right. So this article says, For five months of the year, the National Football League dominates Sundays in the United States. It's more popular than church. I'll editorially inject that that probably says something about us culturally, but the article goes on. The NFL's popularity is all the more remarkable when you inspect the fare it has to offer each week on television. An average professional football game lasts three hours and 12 minutes. But if you tally up the time when the ball is actually in play, the action amounts to a mere 11 minutes. Part of the discrepancy has to do with the basic rules of American football. Unlike hockey or basketball, the 60-minute game clock in football can run even when the ball is not in play. That means a lot of time. Game time is spent standing around or huddling up before the next play begins. All right. 
Anybody have any problem with this? I think we can do deal with this. The 11 minutes of action was famously calculated a few years ago by the Wall Street Journal. Its analysis found that the average NFL broadcast spent more time on replays, 17 minutes, than live play. So you got live play of 11 minutes, you got replays of 17 minutes. The plurality of time, 75 minutes, was spent watching players, coaches, and referees essentially loiter <laughs> on the field. I like the word loiter. An average play in the NFL lasts just four seconds. Of course, watching football on TV is hardly just about the game. There are plenty of advertisements to show people, too. The average NFL game includes 20 commercial breaks containing more than 100 ads. For those of you that went to public school, that means about five commercials per break. The journal's analysis found that commercials took up about an hour or one-third of the game. Football stop-and-go nature makes it particularly prime for commercials, unlike soccer, which forces broadcasters to creatively insert ads during the 45 minutes of continuous play in each half. Broadcasts of NFL games in Europe, coincidentally, include far fewer commercials. So I guess what I would say to that is if you would like to watch a more commercial-free television football environment next year for the big game that you want to watch, whether it's regular season, playoffs, or the Super Bowl, maybe you need to fly to London or Paris or Munich or Prague or Amsterdam and uh, that will work out well for you. All right, so since commercials are obviously a big part of the game, I would like to talk about those commercials just a little bit. I found myself enjoying them, and I don't know if it's because I paid more attention. I really honestly think that there was a lot more creativity. I thought the use of some celebrities. Tom Brady, wasn't Tom Brady? I know he was in at least two, and he might have been in even more commercials. But it was fun. You know, when Ben Affleck does the Dunkin' Donut commercial, <laughs> and J-Lo always kind of, you know, tells him to get out of there and says to Tom Brady, Tom, you can stay. I, I, it was cute. And then when you get into some of the other commercials, the Danny DeVito, the Schwarzenegger, the uh, who else? Um, I even, you know what? I even thought that the Robert Kennedy running independently for president, I thought that ad, you know, usually you would have somebody looking at the, TV, reading a teleprompter in the nice blue suit with the white shirt, the red tie, the red, white, and blue. This guy is wrapped in the American flag. 
or lady, and they would be standing there and saying, I really would like to be the next president of the United States. I think I can bring us all together. But that Robert Kennedy commercial, it was pretty cool. Don't you think that it was a pretty good commercial? I thought that T-Mobile had two very good spots. One with Bradley Cooper and the guys from Suits. Have you watched the television series Suits? I'm telling you, it's really very good. It had nine or ten seasons. I watched every episode, but the guy that plays Harvey, who's just the badass lawyer, New York lawyer, Harvard grad, and uh, his sidekick, they were in a T-Mobile commercial. And then the other one had the two guys that are the regular guys. You know, the, there's a, a there's two actors, and I don't know their names. One's white, one's black. But they had another guy who had really long hair, and they were dancing together and stuff like that. I mean, it just made you – I'm a T-Mobile person. I try not to give them kudos based on being a T-Mobile customer. I was Verizon for about 12 or 15 years until my daughter moved to South America. And T-Mobile – I'll tell you this, if you do a lot of international travel, if you spend a lot of time out of the country, they're not paying me to say this, but I found that T-Mobile, when I take a group of listeners to Mexico, when we go to Mexico in April, when that plane touches down at Cancun International, it'll still be 100 feet off the ground, and my phone will ping, and it will say, welcome to Mexico, Mike. Use your T-Mobile service just the way you use in the United States to make calls, text, emails, or whatever. But I thought the commercials were really really good for T-Mobile. I thought that, um, you know what, the Kia, I have no intention of driving an electric vehicle, okay? But they had a Kia electric vehicle where they had the ice skater. And then when she gets done skating, her dad picks her up and drives her through a snowstorm, through a blizzard, to a nursing home in the country where they have an ice skating rink and she skates for her grandfather, who's obviously interned in a uh, in a nursing home. I, I, I thought that, that I thought that, that was very well done. State Farm. State Farm does some good stuff. The the having Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger neighbor like a good neighbor and they, and they would say it's neighbor good neighbor that's what I said neighbor neighbor and uh, those commercials were really just kind of good I thought the Coors Light commercial with a train crashing through the bar get on board you know singing that song yeah. I'm a Coors guy. I'm a Coors Banquet guy. So there were a couple others. We've got to take a break, but uh, I'll tell you one thing I'm going to do. And if a commercial is to call a call to action, there was one commercial that I made it a point to write down, and I'm going to act on sometime this week. And I'll tell you all about that when we come back on my forum. Restaurant show where we are doing my analysis of last Sunday's Super Bowl. 
big viewership, wonderful game. I'll tell you something. It lived up to the hype, don't you think? It, you know, it was hyped as a game that nobody knew who was going to win. This expert said Kansas City. This expert said San Francisco goes into overtime. What a game. I thought it was and, – and to be honest with you, I know. And by the way, there were a couple social media posts this week with a picture of Pat Bold, former Bronco owner, the guy that took Broncos to new heights where he says, and I'll paraphrase, no Denver Bronco fan should ever root for a division, Broncos division rival to win the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, I guess that's the way Pat felt, and I guess that's the way that the listeners, readers, fans that posted on social media felt as well. I was glad to see Kansas City win. I just thought that... I just think that they have a lot of personality. I like Andy Reid. I, I just thought it was, I, I thought it was a fun game. And then, of course, there was some criticism. The post game, because Larry Zonka, the former running back, the former fullback for the Miami Dolphins. 50 years ago, they won the Super Bowl, so he carries the Super Bowl trophy in about halfway. And then the answer to John Elway, because 25 years ago, John Elway led our Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl victory. Well, social media, and of course, God knows we've got to respect what social media says. Can't believe it, John Elway. Bronco legend would carry the Super Bowl trophy in for those dreaded Kansas City Chiefs. You know what? Shut up. I mean, got it. It was nice to see John. I was glad to see him get some kudos. I was glad to see him get a little play. Okay. So, one of the commercials that would really call me to action was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Is there anybody out there that doesn't like Reese's peanut butter cups. All right, maybe you're not a chocolate fan, and maybe you don't like peanut butter, and maybe you got a peanut allergy. I get all that. But Reese's peanut butter cups, there's probably not one household that I'm speaking to right now that doesn't have Reese's peanut butter cups at least available for the kitty winks when they come by on Halloween. Do you see where they're adding? later, a layer of caramel or caramel or however I'm supposed to pronounce that word. I love Reese's. I love the chocolate. I love the peanut butter. And I love caramel. And I am going to go get myself some of those Reese's peanut butter cups with caramel on them and give them a try. One of the products that I will not be trying, I think I've made my beer selection very clear. I'm a Coors Banquet guy. I would rather die of thirst than drink the B word. But you know what? Those Budweiser commercials had the Clydesdales, and it's in a storm, and the trucks can't get the beer delivery to the bar where people are gathered around and want to have a beer. So a dog goes out in the storm and leads the Clydesdales 
to deliver beer to the bar in the storm. And you know what? I, I, I think that if every commercial was intended to increase sales, I think if you put a puppy in it, you've got a pretty good chance of having a commercial that will sell. A um, couple of other things I want to mention. I'm not a Bud guy. I'm not a Michelob Ultra guy. But I thought the commercial with Leo Messi, the world-famous soccer player, and I became a big fan of his. I've always enjoyed the talent necessary to play soccer. What those guys do with their feet, and ladies, with their feet, most of us couldn't do with our hands. And Messi, of course, he's from Argentina. He represents the Argentinian national team. When my daughter lived down there, she became a fan and watched him a couple times. I did go to a national game in Santiago, Chile, between the national teams of Chile and Argentina. The guy is a magician. He is otherworldly. You watch him on a soccer pitch. That's what they call it. They don't call it a field. When you watch him on a soccer pitch, he is a man among boys. But he did a commercial for Michelob Ultra, and they had uh, Ken Marino in it, and they had, uh, what's that actor's name, Sedakis or something like that. He was in it. I mean, it would be an expensive commercial to produce, but I just I thought it was I thought it was very well done. I like the Mountain Dew and Starry ads for Pepsi. Pepsi used to sponsor the halftime show, and I don't remember the number, but they had a ten-year contract for something like a hundred million dollars, ten million a year. Well, last year, so last year or the year before. The NFL said they wanted $50 million for it. So Pepsi bought ads in the television show, and they've got other stuff as well. But Apple picked it up. But Pepsi certainly isn't going away from the Super Bowl. They had a Mountain Dew commercial. They had a Starry commercial. I thought those were well done. Just two more. I hope I'm not wearing you out. But the Jesus app, Jesus gets us. I looked that up. There's an organization called the Servant, Servant Foundation, S-E-R-V-A-N-T. And it's operated strictly on donations, and they're the ones that put on those ads, and they're the ones that pay for them. And, and you know what? With Americans drifting away from religion, which is a sad thing, um, I think that the ads are nice, and I think they're well done, and I think they're very tasteful. They're not in your face. I enjoyed that. And finally, saving for the last, the South Dakota ad. I didn't get it in California. It was Midwest, but an ad for South Dakota, I had it sent to me. It was produced by a guy named Nick Maranzino. Nick Maranzino is a local Denver boy, born and raised. And his father, Pocky Maranzino, 
has owned, along with Kathy Brown, Carson Hagen Advertising for years, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it happens to be. They used to be, they're still one of the largest private companies in Colorado. All right? Matter of fact, I've got the numbers. I can look it up for you. But at any rate, for years, they did McDonald's. They did the lottery. They're a big advertising agency. And obviously, Nick Maranzino, being the son of Hockey Maranzino, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. But it was really, I, I, if you've never been to South Dakota, you know what? It's pretty cool up there. It's pretty, I don't think I want to go right now. But if you want to wait till the summer, um, it's it's really beautiful up there. And I thought the ad, you know, it was a tourism ad. It was come and visit us in South Dakota. And uh, I just thought it was very well done and um, if you need some advertising done for your company, you might want to think about uh, contacting Nick Marzino. If you don't know how to reach him, I've got him in my cell phone. Send me a text or send me an email at mike at mikeboyle.com. But he did a very nice job on that. I'm sure it was a collaborative effort, but uh, anyway, it was. Uh, I know that he was the one that, I don't know, I don't wrote it or whatever it happens to be. All right, finally, one thing I should mention. The halftime show. I, I, I'm just the halftime entertainment that they book. I know why they book it. That's the demo they're going after, the demographic, but it's just not me. I'm not a Bieber. I'm not a Janet Jackson. I'm not a go through Alicia Keys or whoever has done all these halftime shows. It's just not my bag. It's just not my style of music. But before the game, you know how you turn on the television at 9 o'clock in the morning and you're running around and you're doing all different types of stuff? I saw an interview with Usher, and uh, he's 45 years old, and very nice. He's really working hard. Hasn't always been that way, but he's working very hard at being a good dad. And he talked about how he's cut back a little bit on his schedule because, and he's had some tragedies, um, some uh, that he couldn't control, maybe a few self-inflicted, but he kind of woke up and he said, I'm not going to tour as much and I'm not going to work as much. And I'm sure he's done very well, but, but I, it made me, so I, I watched some of the show and like I said, I'll go back to my original statement. It just wasn't my type of music it wasn't my type of entertainment but i had to really applaud him for his interview where he said because i'll tell you what none of us has ever spent too much time with our kids let's go ahead and take a break that concludes my wrap-up of the super bowl you're welcome to send me your comments at mike at mike we'll be right back on the all right, welcome back to the final segment of this hour of the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show, our Super Bowl wrap-up. Two things I should mention. The game reported 123.4 million viewers. I know that there's some of you out there that say, I don't watch football. I don't watch the Super Bowl. I'd rather go to the Botanic Gardens. I'd rather go to the zoo. All right, I understand that. You know what? If you go to a restaurant 
they happen to be open on Super Bowl Sunday. If you go to Costco, if you go for a hike or a bike ride, it's probably a great time to do all of that stuff. I remember the Outback years ago told me that the, and this is for Colorado, that the years that the Broncos were in the Super Bowl, what was it, 98, 99, somewhere around there, that it was the worst day of the year for their stores. Their stores, which typically average about $10,000 a day, okay? That was back then. Their stores that day averaged between 1200 not 10000 1200 and $1,500 a day. Now, let me just tell you that there are a lot of restaurants up and down the front range that would love to do $1,500 a day. $1,500 a day, 365 days a year, works out to about a half a million dollars, $540, $550, somewhere in that neighborhood. Now, personally, I think you need more money if you're going to be in the business if you don't want to just buy yourself a job. But anyway, $123.4 million people. And I'd like to know if anybody out there listening to this show participated in the Taylor Swift drinking game. I was not familiar with it, and I probably would not have participated. You don't have to force me to drink, folks. I'm a volunteer. But the Taylor Swift drinking game, apparently, who knows how this got started on social media or whatever. Every time Taylor Swift was shown on TV, you were supposed to take a drink. <laughs> so, listen, sounds a little corny, but it also sounds kind of fun. Don't you think? I didn't do it. I'm sitting there relaxing. I'm sipping my beers like I told you. There's an Indian Wells Brewing Company in Southern California that puts out a beer called Mojave Gold Lager, a Mojave Desert. And uh, I happened to see it at one of the visitor centers in Death Valley. And I thought, you know what? That looks good. And I bought a six-pack, and along with some chips and salsa, that's what I enjoy. One final note with a little bit of a Super Bowl tie-in. Did you see where Travis Kelsey is? Is there anybody on the planet who doesn't know who Travis Kelsey is now? He, on his show with his brother predicted they just released the top 25 schools and their recruiting classes for football for this season. And obviously Georgia and Alabama and Notre Dame and all the big boys, they're up there. CU did not get mentioned in the top 25. They did not have a top 25 recruiting class. 
which obviously indicates that Coach Prime is probably going to spend more time going after transfers. You know, you get a school like UCLA that makes a change. He can zoom in and say, hey, come and play for me in Colorado. I'm going to get you plenty of playing time. I'm going to get you plenty of television time, and we'll get you ready for the NFL. But at any rate, in spite of that, in spite of that, Travis Kelsey on his show predicted that CU Bucks and Coach Prime will go 12 wins and no losses in 2024. From Travis Kelsey's lips to God's ears. All right? So anyway, uh, I just thought I would share that with you. Uh, We haven't talked much about Valentine's Day. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day. I hope you uh, got out, did a few things. I had an opportunity to appear on a nationwide show. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that in the next hour. They wanted some Valentine's tips for Colorado. And uh, maybe I'll share those with you a little bit in the next hour, and uh, that will maybe give you some ideas for next year's Valentine's Day. All right, so that wraps up this hour. The Mike Moore Restaurant Travel Report for whatever you feel like talking about. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 